everybody. My name is Gabe. And I'm Matt. And welcome back to another episode of the Tentacle Bot Podcast. And uh, today we are going to be going over something that remains. <laughs> no, we're going to be going over all that remains in their entirety, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> it's uh, no secret that in the past that I've discussed my dislike for this band. But before we jump into that, Matt, what have you been listening to lately? To answer you honestly... Not a whole lot. Uh, kind of return into same old singles, but uh, some a band came on my radar from a friend of mine, and they're named Magnolia Park. Uh, think of them kind of as a new, kind of this new wave of pop punk where it's like the, kind of the sad boy pop punk, mm-hmm. but include a little bit of the alternative rapper vibe where it's really kind of dark, trappy, and just... So kind of like your Lil Peep, yeah, like Machine Lil Gun P- Kelly before Machine Gun Kelly went pop punk. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, and it's kind of a combination of those. Uh, really, my favorite song probably by them is called Tokyo. Uh, they released it as a single on April 13th of this year. Um, some additional songs. Uh, Deja Vu's not too bad. Um, they've got a Halloween mixtape that's got a couple of decent tracks. They did a uh, song called Love Me featuring Kellen Quinn of Sleeping With Siren. So they've they've been around for, it looks like, a couple years. But it just kind of hit my radar recently. And they're not bad. Like, it's kind of kind of fun. Di- very different from what I typically listen to. So that was kind of kind of a neat thing to get thrown my way. Fair enough. What about you, boss? Um, yeah, so I, I've got a, a few different things that have come up on uh, on my radar here. Um, the first that I'll probably bring up, uh, I've been just digging back into Sabaton a lot lately. Just, I respect it. It's just so much fun. Oh, Sabaton's fantastic. Um, I've also been... Uh, I returned back to the Bad Omens record. Did you? I did. Um, it was less offensive this go around, and okay. I think the reason was is because I went into it with a lot less of expectations. Right. I just like threw it on in the background, and I was just kind of in that mood for it. So mm-hmm. it was like that. I threw in some sleep token in there and stuff like okay. that. Um, so just kind of like this more ethereal kind of vibe to it, and um, I, I feel like going into it with a different expectation was definitely helpful for that. Yeah, and I think once you once you kind of go into it with the more um atmospheric with that more idea in mind that's going to help a lot i know going into that record i was expecting a little bit heavier just based off of their song artificial suicide and i was extremely let down but that's uh (laughs) we went over that already for sure um the other thing that i'm going to bring up today that we're going to talk about here briefly is uh wheeler walker jr he's a country artist and uh, i am i'm doing this solely for a fan of the show that is hanging a one-star review over my head for this. So <laughs> um, just briefly, we're going to talk about Sex, Drugs, and Country Music, which is the newest album by Wheeler Walker Jr. that uh, released April 15th of this year. Matt, I forced you to listen to this, and yeah, I, I, I made you listen to 30 Minutes of Country because you made me listen to nine albums of All That Remains. Why don't you tell me your thoughts on this one? I did not know that... Um People made joke music in other genres that weren't metal and de- or deathcore, so that was kind of a bit of a shock. But to be, I I just was never exposed to any of it. Fair the enough. only thing I knew of really was like bro job and stuff similar fair, fair to enough. that. Um, lyrically, it was 
just ridiculous. <laughs> it was over the top, um, as you'd expect from kind of a comedy thing. The country music just by itself, really, you could o- if it wasn't so ob- obvious that it was about sex, drugs, and country music. You you could probably throw it on like a regular country music playlist or station, and it would kind of blend in. It just had that proper sound. Unfortunately, just because of the more vulgar nature of the songs, it's obviously not going to see that kind of airplay. So for doing what it was trying to do, be in a country music, hit the mark. Um, I just don't think I'm going to go return to it myself. <laughs> and I've opened up to country music recently but i it's it's just not a go-to for me yeah the the closest thing that i ever get to is like the really deep outlaw kind of um like underground kind of stuff so like yeah me and that man which is nurgle's side project mm-hmm. uh, from behemoth like that's one of my closest things that i really get to that kind of stuff that's fair yeah um that being said i've actually seen wheeler walker jr in concert before really yeah i saw him it was years ago at this point um actually with the the guy who's making me do this for the review uh <laughs> it's my buddy zach okay yeah, he, he's, he's a good guy um sort of <laughs> i mean holding a one-star review over your head i don't that doesn't sound like a i've great been deal. stringing him along on this one for months now mm, that'll years do it. honestly that'll uh, do it yeah so w- when i first originally seen him it was uh when he had come out with i think it was like his first album or something like that um if, if it was it, his first album was uh redneck crap <laughs> uh the crap is is being censored here um but that that's the one that had like Family Tree, which was kind of like one of the big ones off of that. And then obviously okay. Drop Him Out, which made like was TikTok viral for a little while talking about oh, really large breasts. Oh, that's yeah. him. Got that's it. him. <laughs> so uh, I don't remember a lot about that concert because it was so long ago. I mean, this is probably like a solid seven years ago at this point. Jeez. It, it's been a minute. Yeah, no um, kidding. That album came out in like 2016. He released another one in 2017. So it was somewhere in that general realm. Okay. Um, that being said, like he was funny. The rest of the concert sucked because it was just country music artists opening up for him. And I was in a underground bar in Phoenix mm. with a bunch of people who like country music, which I'm <coughs> not that guy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you would stick out like a sore thumb. Uh, I did stick out like a sore hey, thumb. You want to know uh, a time when I stuck out like a sore thumb that's kind of in the same vein? Mm. Went to a rodeo once. So, this what? <laughs> so I ended up. I'll, I'll tell this. Just kind of describe the the setup and how how much I stuck out like a sore thumb. Uh, it was with a buddy of mine who was going very very hard into a country cowboy phase. Like he was wearing cowboy boots. I think he had a cowboy hat. Like he was wearing flannels and stuff like he looked like he was trying to be a country boy everything you just said made me want to kind of vomit a little bit in my mouth i hate that vibe so much i (laughs) i'm very glad that he decided to come down the proper rabbit hole and he now looks a little bit more like a scene kid but like a a, an elder scene kid so he he's kind of cleaned himself up uh well i kind of clean himself up by messing himself up exactly (laughs) so i ended up going to this rodeo i still very much this is probably like the tail end of my scene phase so i rolled in with skinny jeans, a Tonight Alive tank top, a Tonight Alive flat bill baseball cap, and black vans to a rodeo. Yeah, you stuck out, man. Oh, I, I stuck out, it. buddy. <laughs> that was neat. I did. There were a lot of people that were looking at me funny, and guess what? 
Haven't been to a rodeo since. I mean, quite frankly, I don't have any reason to ever go to a rodeo. And I don't Honestly, I don't think I have any reason to go back to one. Um, any terrible. other silly things that we wanted to go over that's not just rodeo talk? Um, nah, not really. I, I, I guess just kind of just to, just to appease Zach. Hi, Zach. On a scale of one to eight tentacles, where are you at on this one? <laughs> Three, probably. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm going with a four. Like it's right down the middle. Like I hate country music, but at the same time, this is stupid humor. It's yeah. funny, and uh, like it, it's everything that I would expect from them. Like nothing about it is bad, and I just accidentally added them to my playlist. I'll deal with that later. Uh, <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> um, yeah, but like it's it's stupid. It's funny. It, mm-hmm. it is exactly as advertised. So if you go into it looking for that in this record, you're absolutely gonna find it, and you won't be disappointed because Wheeler Walker does Wheeler Walker things. Yeah. Um. If country music's not your drive, it's not going to be for you. Yeah, that no, being for said, sure. It's still funny. I recommend people giving it a listen if you're okay with obscene and vulgar humor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Before we jump into the band breakdown, do we tell the big sad news that happened this week? Yeah. Um, man, that sucked. That I, when I found out about it, I was completely shocked. But to you explain what had happened, um, we actually lost the vocalist of Black Dahlia Murder, Trevor Sternod. I, I believe so. That, it's a very difficult name. To yeah. <laughs> um, the way it's spelled makes it a little bit difficult, but um, really just a, a difficult loss. A huge, huge um, influence to not just death metal bands, but deathcore bands. And yeah, they, just kind of everything in that kind of tangent yeah they they definitely um just kind of were a gateway band for so many mm-hmm. uh groups it, it, so many groups so many people i mean like there, there's just a huge outpouring from the rock and metal community right now from it yeah it sucks yeah and uh from the way that the post read on facebook from black dahlia murder uh it looks like it was as a result of suicide unfortunately so it goes without saying but people are there for you just gotta gotta reach out. You are loved, and uh, yeah, um, th- th- this one hurt a yeah. lot of people. No, I it it, it, w- it was rough. I found out about it. It, I, it was my day off, and I had just seen the link. My roommate had told me about it. And I'm like, "There's no way." I'm like, "There's no way this is yeah. this is legit." But um, even if you're not the one who's potentially suffering, like hug the homies, go and tell people you care about them, and. Uh, this is, that, that one's a rough one. Yeah, that, that's kind of a hard thing to transition out of. <laughs> yeah. So we'll kind of just crawl our way out real quick. We're, we're just going to just, yeah, we're just going to take the transition. We're going to hit it with the hammer. Um, All that remains. God, talking about going into things that suck, man. <laughs> Dude, we're just, we're just on a downward, we're just on a downward. Uh, um, uh, yeah, apparently. Um, yeah, so... Matt, why don't you go ahead and kick us off? Who who is uh, all that remains starting out here? So all that remains is a band that was, re- sorry, wow, um, that yes, came they are out a of. Band. <laughs> they are a band, and that's the end of the podcast. No, um, they actually came out of Springfield, Massachusetts, and were formed in 1998. The current lineup, as we have it, is Phil Labont on vocals. We have Mike Barton as well as Jason Richardson on guitars, Jason Costa on drums, and. 
Matt Diaz on base. Um, at least that I know of, Matt Diaz has not been named an official member unless there was an announcement that was made, but I know he is touring with the band as we speak. Yeah, um, since uh, it was Aaron that left. Yeah, right? Aaron, yeah. Yeah, so it's just, at least at this point, he's filling in possibly back with the band. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so they, they've released nine albums over the course of time. Um about 24 years right now yeah yeah this was a slug for me to get through like i said i'm not really a big fan of these guys i'll get into that here in a little bit Mm -hmm. um before we do uh start jumping into that though um they have been pretty consistently on prosthetic and razor razor and tie which if i'm not mistaken i believe prosthetic is a part of razor and tie i believe that sounds right if not like they just like razor and tie has the distribution rights to prosthetics signings Mm -hmm. and stuff like that Um, i think there's for some reason i feel like they have some sort of um combat or kind of a hand with artery and roadrunner for some reason i or i could have misunderstood something somewhere but i thought somehow they were kind of tied together i don't recall seeing that but that's very possible yeah there's there so many different sub companies and sub companies of some mm-hmm. companies and like the at this point who knows like it was literally in the gore episode that i learned that uh metal blade records was a part of warner before they broke that's up that's right thing. yeah <laughs> because, I, of, because i remember of war. about that <laughs> Um, but yeah, so uh, we'll go ahead and jump into these. Uh, so the band formed in 1998 after Phil Labonte was asked to leave Shadows Fall. Uh, so he was on the first album, uh, Somber Eyes to the Sky uh, by Shadows Fall, before he was asked to leave because of musical differences, apparently. Mm-hmm. Which then afterwards they brought in Brian Fair, and he was the better vocalist of the two anyway. I've, I've listened to Somber Skies before, and... Uh, yeah, Brian Fair was definitely the right call for them to make for Shadows Fall as the band. I actually don't think I've ever heard Somber Eyes to the Sky, or if I did, it was like once, and it was when I found out that Phil was with Shadows Fall, and that would probably have been the only reason. The starting lineup for All That Remains would have been Phil Labont on vocals, Ollie Herbert on guitar, we had Chris Bartlett on rhythm guitar, Dan Egan on bass, and then Michael Bartlett on drums. Uh, so it's starting out, and then in 2002 was when they released their first album, Behind Silence and Solitude, and that was March 26th. Yeah, so this one was released through, uh, through Prosthetic Records. Uh, it was uh, done by... Come on. Uh, producer was going to be Adam D., uh, from Killswitch Engage, uh, I don't. Yes, he, he. So they were they were Killswitch Engage at this time. Um, so yeah, he was the who was the producer for this album. Um, Matt, how'd you feel about this album here? This one, I. It is not mixed very well. Oh, it no. is super. It's very quiet. Um, vocals it, is put under pro, a little bit under the uh, instrumentals, which is kind of unfortunate. Overall, it's not great. There's nothing that really kind of sticks out and hooks you. That it's lyrically, it's a little not cheesy, but cheesy. I mean just up front like almost all their lyrics are really cheesy to be there are a lot of there is a lot of cheese it just unfortunately has a lot of those early metalcore tropes Mm -hmm. where it can't decide if it wants to be heavy or if it wants to be uplifting and and soulful yeah um yeah so so this one here it for the time it the sound quality is kind of what you would have expected Mm -hmm. Uh, it, it's definitely earlier in kind of just 
understanding how mixing and mastering works and stuff like that. So yeah. out of this t- era, we have a lot of these uh, early metal albums obviously being funded by people who aren't extremely well-funded, mm-hmm. so they're not putting out as high quality of a... Of, of a product. Yeah, thank, thank yeah. Um, So off of this one here, uh, the, the first demos that were featured off of this album were Follow, From These Wounds, and Shading. Um, and they were they were demos that had been recorded in 1999, um, and then they would, uh, f- the, or sorry, the demo in 1999 featured the same songs, uh, but with Erase replacing from these wounds, uh, and then the demo version also had uh, an or- orchestral intro of Follow. Oh, that's actually kind of sick. Yeah, it was. Um, the actual album itself was recorded in 2000, but wasn't released until two years later for some reason or another. Yeah, I'm not sure why that was. I wasn't there, so I couldn't tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Neither was I. Now, following that, we have in March on March 23rd of 2004 through Prosthetic and also uh, produced by Adam D, we have This Darkened Heart. And this was actually the first record that was released with... Um, where do you go? Oh, uh, a couple of lineup changes ended up actually happening coming into this. Chris Bartlett left, and Mike Martin, who is their now current rhythm guitarist, was brought in. And then Matt Diaz had been brought in in 2003. And then This Dark and Heart came out. I have a soft spot for this one. And have honestly had a soft spot for it for, honestly, at least the last 13 to 15 years or so i have no soft spot for this record (laughs) Uh, just get right after it yeah look i'm just i'm gonna come out and say that these guys are basically just the worst parts of trivium all uh, of trivium the worst parts of kill switch engage and the worst parts of shadows fall all just kind of rolled into one Like, I, sure, it has its moments, and, and this really goes for a lot of their albums. Like, mm-hmm. they have their moments, but at the same time, like, uh, A, I don't like Phil Lamont's voice. It definitely just kind of sounds like dyed my hair black, have an eyebrow piercing kind of vocals. And it, it's a really hard one for me to pin down on why I don't like this band. Right. But it just it lacks so much, and I don't understand how they've been so popular for so long, when there is so many other better acts out there, <laughs> even like at this time frame. Because mm-hmm. like at this time frame, I mean, you have all three of those bands that I mentioned. You have Killswitch putting out bangers. You have Trivium putting out bangers. Because mm-hmm. uh, 2004, when when uh, uh, this Dark and Heart released, was the same year Ascendancy released. It was the uh, the same year that. Um, it was the same year that End of Heartache was released by Killswitch Engage. Yeah. Uh, it was the same year that uh, When All Light Dies, I think, by Shadows Fall released. Mm-hmm. Um, all three of those are like masterpiece records. And right. you have this kind of popping out. I just don't get it. <laughs> I, unfortunately, wasn't into the band at the time that this had released. Um, but I know it... High school, well, like late junior high, high school me, I this was one of the records that really shaped me. Um, the big songs off of this one were This Darkened Heart, Tattered on My Sleeve, and The Deepest Grey, which each all got uh, music videos. This Darkened Heart is still one of my absolute favorite songs by the band. And to be completely honest, 
in general. Um, the song just goes unbelievably hard, and I love it. Uh, I probably didn't hear this record for the first time until, I want to say, about 2009. Okay. And it's just, I wasn't introduced to the band until a little bit later. Mm-hmm. They had been around for a little while, but very, very influential on Young Lad Me. Yeah. Uh, moving forward from there, uh, we go into their 2006 release, The Fall of Ideals, which was released July 11th of that year. Uh, Matt, this is the concert that you just recently went to. Was there 15 yes. year anniversary? Correct. 15 year anniversary. Correct. Eh, it's technically 16, but whatever. Yeah, I think. <laughs> I think just because of everything that was yeah. going on with the pandemic, um, this, if there's ever. If there was a record that I could pinpoint to say, this is the one that shaped me, this is it. All That Remains was really a gateway band for me, and it was because of this record. If I hadn't listened to these guys when I did, I don't think I ever would have gone down the rabbit hole that I have now. And if I did come down the rabbit hole, it would have been nowhere near as early as I had, which unfortunately was not early enough. I'm glad that you found your way here. But as you were saying that, my eye was twitching a little bit. You, the, the look <laughs> of just disdain in your face was... Uh, oh, God. these I just don't like these man, this band. <laughs> um, yeah, so the kind of your big songs off of this one were uh, going to be This Calling, Six, and uh, was it the, the Air That I Breathe? Yeah, uh, as well as Not Alone, which got a music yes. video. Um I think those are really the big singles that came off of it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, six was featured on Guitar Hero three. Yeah, yeah. Um, and this one was also uh, produced and mixed by Adam D uh, from Kill Switch. And uh, obviously, we hear him getting better and better at it. Mm-hmm. Uh, that 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 goes without saying. I mean, Adam D is a kind of just a, a world-renowned producer at this point. Yeah. Um. So yeah, he he, he kills it doing what he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this was we had kind of we haven't touched too much on the on the musical aspect of it, but but the first record is you could definitely hear that the band was trying to be just metalcore, but there was this the first record they were really kind of trying to go with like more mellow death. Yeah, it was like a mellow death, but there was like a, a that metalcore kind of undertone. You go into this darkened heart, and it was they were trying to do like the mellow death metal core, and it was yeah. just kind of like, so a, like a, they started incorporating clean vocals. Mm-hmm. Here, they just fully embraced the metal core and went straight clean vocals. Yeah, with screams and yeah. So it, this was I never fully understood it when I was younger, but after like re re listening to it and now be actually listening to death metal and death core is. It, it's de- these guys have always had the influence and it was definitely there, but it was never the most prominent yeah. thing that the band was trying to do. This, I think, really for any All That Remains fan, it, if you've been around for a significant amount of time, this is probably going to be your top favorite album by them. It's just a work of art front to back. Yeah, so this was also the first one that actually saw chart success as well. Mm-hmm. Um, it, namely, it hit a 75 on US Billboard 200. Um, it also notes in here that it hit on the Japanese albums uh, chart at 194. Um, and then going forward, for whatever reason, we see a bunch of Japanese versions of these albums. So I don't know if they've got, like, if they have the uh, the whole Avril Lavigne thing going on where they 
do well in Japan? I don't know. For some Maybe. reason? Maybe. It, it's very possible. I'm not 100% sure, but um, that, I, I noticed that as I was doing my research for this one. It's just like, they keep mentioning mentioning these Japanese versions and mm-hmm. Japanese charts. Like, maybe they just do really well in Japan. That could that very well <laughs> could be. Um, I'm also showing that as we are looking into some of the information here is in 2006 we would have had uh, Matt Diaz dropping off of the band as well as Michael Bartlett leaving. So we get Shannon Lucas on drums for just the year of 2006. And then uh, call back to the Acacia Strain episode, and we still don't know how to pronounce her name. Uh, Gene <laughs> Sagan came in to play bass. I feel like it's got to be Jean, right? It does. It looks like it should be pronounced something like that. I don't know. I've just always said it as Gene because <laughs> I was just kind of going over the first, going uh, yeah. based on the first four letters. We're probably pronouncing it incorrectly, and if we are, we apologize. We just have no idea what we're doing. Yeah, um, <laughs> in more ways but, than one. <laughs> but Sagan would end up actually being with the band for quite a significant amount of time and mm-hmm. might be the longest lasting basis that the band's ever had. I believe so. Yeah. Uh, Which basis are a dime a dozen anyway? I'm just kidding. <laughs> You're like, who plays bass? <laughs> <laughs> All bassists are just guitarists who couldn't hack it. <laughs> um, I mean that as a joke. I'm not actually maligning any basses. Basses are extremely important to a bass or to a musical ensemble. Mm-hmm. Anyway, <laughs> and then in 2007, Shannon Lucas left, and Jason Costa ended up coming in, taking over for drums, and we would see a consistent lineup for almost a decade, going into their following release, simply titled. Where'd the name of it go? Overcome. Overcome, thank you. <laughs> no, Come on, Matt. <laughs> I couldn't find it. Uh, chart success on this one, we see it at number 16 in the U.S. Uh, U.S. Rock, we see it at number 5. We see it 15 in Canada. Japan, we see it at 82. And then in the U.K., we see it at 174. This one was released September 16th of 2008 through, again, Prosthetic and then Razor and Tie. Yeah, so uh, this one was uh, the first one that wasn't produced by Adam D and actually was going to be produced by Jason Sukoff. Uh, Jason Sukoff, uh, he's been around for quite a while as well. Um, mm-hmm. he, he's got uh, credits such as uh, Ember to Inferno by uh, Trivium. He's He also did Ascendancy. I'm, I totally, wow, I completely butchered that one. Ascendancy came out in 2005, so I made that mistake. Um uh, did a lot of stuff with Roadrunner. Um, he also did, <coughs> excuse me, uh, he did uh, Four Constitution of Treason by God Forbid. He did The Crusade by Trivium, Beauty and the Breakdown by Bury Your Dead, Nocturnal by Black Dahlia Murder, mm-hmm. um, all the way up to like even recently. We he we still see him uh, hopping in doing like things like Job for a Cowboy, Battle Cross, Whitechapel, Carnifex, War of Ages, mm-hmm. uh, DSI. Like the, the guy's been around for a while. He's a phenomenal producer. Uh, so. Yeah, he did on Overcome too. Um, so this one here, the uh, the main two tracks were, uh, is it Chiron? I think so. I, I think it's Chiron and uh, Two Weeks, which uh, Two Weeks was the first All That Remains song I ever heard. Okay. Um, it's there. This Calling <laughs> was the first one for me, but Two Weeks is probably, I think still to this day, the most popular song by yeah. the band. I think This Calling's not far behind. Uh, 
like when I had seen the band live, uh, both of those songs were actually ones that they had played during the set list. Yeah, I 100% believe that. Mm-hmm. Like that, that just makes sense for them. This one ended up being a lot more like mainstream rock. It was a lot less. There were definitely the metalcore aspects. The little bit of that death metal was. They, it was very, it was very, very subtle. If they had any portions of it at all, Th- this basically took the success that they had from Fall of Ideals, and this was kind of like they're trying to begin to break into mainstream release. Mm-hmm. Is basically what this one ended up being. Yeah, and then a couple of other songs that were kind of notable off this one. Uh, we had Forever in Your Hands was another big song that came out of it. And the last song on it titled Believe in Nothing is actually a cover of a Nevermore song, which I just found out today, actually. <laughs> so that's kind of a neat one. Yeah, Nevermore, they're kind of a... They're an interesting band. Mm-hmm. I've not listened to a lot of them, but I've listened to some of them. They're, just, they're an interesting band. So talking about Overcome, your overall opinion of the record? To sum it up... Eh riveting absolutely <laughs> riveting i mean um, like to be fair like uh, until we get into some of these later albums here pretty much my entire review of the band is just eh. okay just because a i don't like Le- phil lebon's voice um, yes b all the instrumentals while they are talented musicians in their own right is nothing that i wouldn't have heard at this time being done better by somebody else okay and in a manner of which i liked more and then finally, it just doesn't have whatever the it factor is for me. Okay, like it, it something is just missing. Okay, period. And I, I don't, I don't fully know what it is. Like I can point out individual things in certain songs. It's just that overall, like I, you can't really put your finger on. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, and then lyrically, the songs are just boring to me. So like, I, there, I can... there's nothing to pull from there. Like. If it was one of those things where it was like brand new, for example, where brand new's vocals and instrumentals and everything like that wasn't that great, mm-hmm. but the lyrical content was there, and so it was something a little bit more that you could pay attention to. Yeah, there's nothing like that here. Okay, I I'm on a differing um, oh, opinion. Yeah, I, as it, as we figured fault. out from the, <laughs> it is your fault that we're doing this to begin with. You you would <laughs> and you know what you would not be incorrect. Um, I. I've been, I think I'd, I'd say I've enjoyed this record for as long as I've known about it. Um, again, really two weeks, Forever in Your Hands, um, Kyron, and a couple of the other songs are the the real big magnets here. But I, I can listen through the entirety of it and not be disappointed is, I guess, a good way to... Because, like, again, I enjoy the record. Mm-hmm. I don't have any big gripes for it. So yeah. that's just me. Fair enough. Uh, moving forward then from there, we go into their fifth album, which is entitled For We Are Many. Uh, this is another album. Uh, it was So it was released October 12th of 2010. Uh, this one was uh, back to being produced by Adam D. Uh, we also have a, uh, another producer credited here, Rob Graves. Um, I saw that he later on was credited with a, uh, a lot of the writing uh, on it as well. Mm-hmm. Um, he is a lot more than a producer here. So uh, just kind of looking through his profile, like he's got a lot of songwriting credits mm-hmm. as well as um, uh, performance credits that he's uh, been a part of, like for different albums and stuff like that. Um, and then obviously he's, he's got his production credits. Uh, funnily enough, a lot of them are actually uh, 
just looking through these names here, there, most of them are actually just uh, Christian labels and stuff. So he was part of Red, Casting Crowns, Plus One, uh, Pillar, Kerry Roberts. Um, obviously, he has All That Remains. <coughs> excuse me. Has All That Remains credit. Um, Brian Littrell, which he was a former Backstreet Boy before he That's did right. his solo stuff. Yeah. Um, Star Set. Like, all of these different bands here, a lot of them are... Uh, rooted in just like Christianity and worship mm-hmm. and stuff like that, so that's kind of interesting too, because they uh, all that remains has been really upfront about how they don't want to be considered a Christian band, yeah. Even though those first like four albums were religious adjacent, I would call mm-hmm. it. I yeah, no, I could I could definitely see that. Big uh, big songs off of this one is the last time we've got hold on as well as the waiting one, mm-hmm. um, which are the going to be the three big singles. Uh, this is a record when I got it, and looking back at just how my opinion on music in general was, I I should have been a lot more grateful for this one, knowing, knowing what, what is comes. coming in the future <laughs> um, as, as kind of a spoiler. But this one charted actually pretty well, too. So yeah. we, we saw it hit uh, number seven on Canadian albums, number 91 on Japanese, uh, number 10 on U.S. Billboard 200. Uh, it also hit number eight on digital albums, uh, number one on top hard rock, number two on top rock, and then number 12 on top tastemaker albums, which I don't even know what that one is. I have no <laughs> idea either. Um the the first two songs for it now let them tremble as well as for we are many are in a way similar to in bless the fall situation like the songs 2.0 into what's left of me yeah, or like awakening into promise ones it w- it's a really well done intro into kind of a, a full song they they did that really well last time's a good um good rock song some of the people all of the time has Phil probably doing some of the lowest low notes he's done in his entire career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dead Wrong is a, an absolute banger. Um, Aggressive uh, of, Opposition's good. Of all of their albums, this is the one that I'd probably return to. Okay. And it, honestly, I completely respect that because this one is a really, really strong piece. I would probably put this one at number... Probably number two in ranking. Um, after if Fall I of were, Ideals. Uh, after Fall of Ideals. Um, I probably hadn't said, but Fall of Ideals is one of my all-time favorite records. I don't know if I've said it in this episode. I don't know if I said it when I talked you about said it them. Before. But I, I couldn't yeah. remember if it, I had. It's been in passing, but you said it before. Yeah. Um, so, again, they're a huge gateway band for me for getting where we are in this I really should have been a lot more thankful for this record. <laughs> um, and why is that, Matt? Because in 2012, on November 6th, they released a record titled A War You Cannot Win. Um, producer on this one is Adam D. Um, so that's kind of lit. The singles off of this one are Down Through the Ages, Stand Up, You Can't Fill My Shadow, Asking Too Much, as well as What If I Was Nothing, which the last song was actually the other song that was played at the Fall of Ideals show that I had seen. By the way, when I saw All That Remains, it was the first time I had ever seen the band, which I'm really mad at myself about, but that's a conversation for another time. This record is hot garbage. So What If I Was Nothing is probably one of the most angering songs to me of all time. Like It's just one of those songs that I hear it come on, and 
I the, the red mist comes down over my eyes. <laughs> I just I, hate this song. <laughs> oh no, I I don't doubt it. It's I appreciate what they're trying to do in making a ballad. I feel like two weeks they keep is trying it too much. I was going to try and make an asking too much joke, but it was just going to end up not being good. No, honestly, like the best ballad that All That Remains has done is Two Weeks, without a doubt. That is their number one absolute best ballad. Everything else has just not hit the mark. Yeah, like unfortunately, What If I Was Nothing actually charted pretty well. Um, of course it did. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was. it's one of their probably yeah. best singles. It, but behind... Um, Two weeks. It's their most popular song, Ugh. at least according to Apple Music. Um, but that being said, I, I trust that they've got a pretty hell. Uh, I'm sorry, it's number three after their Thunder Rolls cover, which we'll, we'll get into that. But um, yeah, Sadness. I trust that their uh, the Apple Music has a pretty good enough sample size to make that justification there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, this uh, this album sucks. <laughs> yeah, this one, this one was rough. And again, that's why I said I should have been a lot more thankful for when I got for we are many. It's they really were leaning into trying to do the rock stuff, and at this point, they were really trying to lean into like the radio rock stuff. It, they it, they it were very, trying to get a yeah. hold of the the target audience that's kind of in that realm. The I'm trying to not get political on this episode <laughs> because it, 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 they unfortunately take a little bit of leaning into that. Um, they they definitely begin pandering a little bit to the uh, the right leaning side of things with album art and with lyrical content. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, the songs are really simple. Not that that's going to be a stupid joke, but it's kind of a stupid joke for some of those things. <laughs> <laughs> um, but like the the whole like liberty, come and take it. This land, mm-hmm. this is the land that I live for. Like in their song, the song of liberty or liberty sing, sing for liberty. Yeah, God, I hate that song. Um, but it, it, it's just little things like that. They're like trying to edge into this arena that kind of like um like the bands like Five Finger Death Punch have taken over. Yeah, um, where it's generally right leaning. That that's. A stereotype for a reason. Is that red state rock radio? Yeah, yeah that, like that's a great way festival kind of kind of scene that they were trying to get into. So and your bands like Saliva, Trapped, um, obviously these guys, mm-hmm. uh, Soil Work, like all that kind of Five stuff. Five Figure Death Punch, like yeah. you said a second ago. Yeah, it's and it so, was a really not good look for them, and I think this was pretty much the record that I listened to the guitar tones, and I. I'm going to make it clear. I do not play guitar. I could probably play a couple of power chords and I can do chugs. That is literally the talent that I have on playing any sort of stringed instrument. This guitar tone was the hottest garbage. I would put it in the same dumpster as Escape the Fate's newest album and Seven Nation Army by the White Stripes. We're throwing it in that dumpster. The problem with that is the fact that both of those have at least good guitar tone. <laughs> As a long-standing guitarist of many, many, many eons, I can validate your opinion here that this guitar tone is garbage. <laughs> yeah, and I mean if you just listen to the whole the record in its entirety, it's it definitely deserves its home in a dumpster fire. Or for your own sake, you don't have to. 
Yeah. Um, this one is also one that had a Japanese bonus track on it, which was uh, Let Nothing Bind Me. Mm-hmm. I honestly did not even hear this song. I don't remember. I never listened to it either. It, it exists. We'll, we'll just leave it at that. <laughs> it exists. <laughs> um, following the release of that, we get The Order of Things, which was released February 24th of 2015. Um, this was the first record, and I'm double-checking to make sure I'm not stupid. I am not stupid. This is the first time they released a record in not the two-year window that they typically had been yep. doing. It was like two and a half to three. Um, this one was released on, again, February 24th, 2015, with the producer being Josh Wilbur this mm-hmm. time. Um, some notable things is he did he's done a lot of work for Lamb of God, so anything from Wrath to their um, current self-titled he has done. Um, outside of that, I can't remember offhand, but he, he has had his hand in a few different metal acts. Yeah. Uh, Josh is also credited with some of the writing on this one. He wrote the lyrics with Philibont. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll start out with the good on this album. I love the album name. The album name is great. The the album name is just like, it's the order of things. Like, I just think that's funny. I, I've said that phrase so many times mm-hmm. when referring to something kind of just stupid and nonchalant. Yeah. My love for this album stops there. <laughs> So, singles off of this one is No Knock, This Probably Won't End Well, True Cult Metal, which um, the the way that they did it was T-R-U hyphen capital K-V-L-T hyphen metal. Um, and it was supposed to be a knock to all the people who were kind of talking down, from my understanding, talking down on them because they weren't like metalcore and they weren't doing what they were doing on Fall of Ideals. It's basically heavy metal off of Amo yeah. from Bring Me to the Horizon, like mm-hmm. making fun of the people that were calling, that were saying that it ain't heavy metal. Yeah. Uh, is kind of basically the same thing with that. The other thing I should bring up, and this is actually just, it's not really related to the band specifically, but it's kind of tangent because it is one of the members. I, I laugh about this t- still to this day. Um, Phil in interviews kind of leading up to this was just like, yeah, there's no b- bad guy in metal. So he's like, I'm going to be the bad guy. So yeah. I feel like when you go into this record, when you look at it as it's Phil trying to be the bad guy, it, it almost seems like a lot of the things on this record are satirical, similar to the vein of like Attila, where their whole gimmick is just this is all satire. Yeah. I feel I don't know if that was intentional or if this is like Phil being completely legit with the songs he's putting out. And it's just everything outside of it was being treated as satire. It's hard to say. I don't know. I haven't talked to the guy. I haven't gotten to pick his brain. At this point in time as well. So the, the album released in early 2015. We're ramping up to 2016 election, which obviously was a very notable election for a variety of reasons. Yeah. Um, and being that they kind of lean towards that red state radio rock kind of vibe to it. And Phil being, I believe he was a former Marine, if I remember correctly. Yes. Um, so he's going to have a natural tendency to kind of lean that direction as most folks, and not, not to put people in a box, but most folks tend to generally yeah. lean that way when they're uh, part of any sort of service. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we kind of saw a lot of that coming out as well during yeah. this time. We saw a lot more, because um, obviously the general vibe of the scene in rock and metal is typically left-leaning. Yeah. Uh, it, ha- it tends to be a lot more progressive and a lot more uh, liberal with things, whereas there's going to be your, s- your small few pockets, p- 
people like Trapped and yeah, and obviously to to significantly lesser degrees than Chris Taylor Brown, who's just a walking human piece of garbage. Um, that kind of were the outset offset li- uh, yeah. outliers. There, there's a word I'm looking for, and mm-hmm. so I, I remember specifically Phil being a, a part of a few articles like that at this point in time. Yeah, and I think he's. And I don't know if it's like he he's kind of moved around, but I believe he identifies as libertarian. Take with that with that information what you will. I kind of don't care. Um, I also realized I never went over the all of the singles. Uh, the only other ones are "For You," "Victory Lap," as well as "Criticism" and "Self Realization." Mm. Um, so I, I just wanted to call that out because I just realized this was also the last album that we would see um, Sagan on bass. She would leave uh, September twenty fourth of two thousand fifteen, which took me by surprise. I was not expecting to hear this announcement. Um, oh God, how old was I? Don't even remember how old I was. Um, so I was a little bit devastated because I had just known Sagan was in the yeah. band for as long as she had, and I thought she was just going to stick around. But uh, she was replaced by Aaron Patrick, who was formerly of Barrier Dead and Devil Driver. So he's he's seen a few things. Yeah. Uh, do we talk about chart success for Order of Things? I do not believe we have. I'm going to run back and do that real Absolutely. quick. Absolutely. Uh, just because we're on Order of Things. Man, I'm... <laughs> it's yeah. No, uh, you so, you really did not enjoy your experience no, I with did this not. one. I was I thought we were so much farther along. Uh so chart <laughs> success on this one here. Uh we have uh it peaked at 72 on Australian albums. On uh Canadian albums we peaked at 17, 150 on Japanese. Uh we ended up hitting 25 on US Billboard 200, 17 on digital US digital albums. Three on both top hard rock and uh, U.S. independent albums, mm-hmm. which I find kind of interesting because this was released on Le- Razor and Tie, which technically is an independent release, but whatever. Uh, we hit number five on top rock albums and number 23 on top tastemakers. So we're seeing Tastemaker again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so regardless of the general trend of their sound... Um, I feel like it kind of is the uh, it kind of has the the same understanding and feel that the uh, like Bring Me the Horizon or uh, Stone Sour kind of mm-hmm. did, where it trended just to kind of be more of this radio friendly. And obviously, they saw the success from it. Yeah. And, but they began alienating and continued to alienate a lot of their former audience that like really were the ones who kind of brought them up yeah. to be what they are. Well, and I, this was, I feel like they were starting to, I look at the order of things as a little bit of a renaissance for the band, where we start to see them return a little bit more to the, not they, they re- dip the old, up. yeah, yeah they, 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 they definitely dip up. and ramp it, up, I guess. It re- kind of jumps back to, I feel like the order of things is a corrupted continuation of for we are many it feels a little bit more in line of for we are many as opposed to a war you cannot win um that's just kind of my perspective of it but thankfully thankfully order of things was not as hot garbage as actually i can't even say as hot garbage because in a way i do like the order of things really the best song off of it is this probably won't end well and really that opening section of the song is one of my favorite song intros still to this day do we jump into the next one unfortunately 
Madness. <laughs> uh, this one was released on April 28th of 2017 through Razor and Tie. And this was uh, produced by Howard Benson and uh, was the first album to feature Aaron Patrick on bass. Yeah, Howard Benson is a very critically uh, named person mm-hmm. here. Um, so he he was uh, he has a number of different uh, GMA Dub Awards um, for people that he's worked with. Uh, he has gotten a lot of Grammys, Grammy nominations, and a few Grammys won mm-hmm. um, for working with uh, with people like Daughtry, Pod. Um, uh, he worked with Skillet quite a bit, apparently. Um, there's quite a few on here. Like I recognize the names. I'm blanking on the uh, the artist because for whatever reason, it's not telling me the artist. It's just like who this person was. Right. Uh, as you're looking through that, singles that were on the record were the title track, simply titled Madness. We have Safe House, Halo, Louder, as well as, as you alluded to earlier, The Thunder Rolls, which was originally a song done by Garth Brooks. So I'm going to talk about this album first without the thunder rolls and then i'll get into that okay um this album is repetitive garbage every single song has maybe about 15 minutes of real thought put into it Mm -hmm. and then repeats that 15 minutes until they created a cohesive song that lasted long enough to get radio plays without people getting bored um the, the, I, there's not a song on here that I have any respect for or I would ever want to hear in any capacity ever again. Okay. Um, <laughs> man, I hate this record. I, with like, I, so as I was going through, I was finishing up these albums because th- this has been a really hard one for me to get through. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this album popped on and I'm just like, all right, here we go. Every single song, I because uh, a- Apple Music has this neat feature where I can... Uh, one of the options I can do is instead of looking at the album artwork, I can read along with the lyrics as they go along uh, for a lot of albums. And as I'm going through with half of these, like I'm just, I start scrolling through the lyrics. I'm like, this song doesn't say anything new for the rest of the song. It's not even halfway over. And like, there'll be small blips here and there, but otherwise like this is just garbage. And on top of it too, like it, it kind of, let me read the, uh, the the way that Apple Music put it on <laughs> on this album because I found it kind of funny after reading the lyrics for this one. Um, so they write in here, it's just a, a one-sentence saying. It says, personal and political madness is handled at peak aggression levels. This is the most butt-rockiest butt-rock album of e- that ever butt-rocked. The album cover is basically like a man's head with a Capitol building burning behind it with people protesting outside of it, which uh, obviously didn't age well. Um, <laughs> yeah. But like, if you go through and read the lyrics on this, unless you were told that it is a politically charged album, you would never be able to tell. And that is because lyrically, it is just vapid, boring, I'm really trying to not swear here. <laughs> it, it is vapid, boring, Empty garbage. There is no real meaning to any of these songs, and mm-hmm. it just... I, okay, I shouldn't say that. It has no meaning to me for any of these songs, and it feels like for you to find meaning, you have to dig deep with a shovel. Okay. <sighs> now the Garth Brooks cover. <laughs> 
the is also was a awesome. steaming pile of hot garbage. I have never been so offended for Garth Brooks in my life, and not that I really care because I've never. I don't, I, I'm not going anywhere with that. I'm just going to continue on. Okay. It, it is a terrible cover. I, I've heard a lot of terrible covers in my time. This is definitely a terrible cover. It's mm-hmm. not mixed well. The vocal performance by the lady it was what was it? Diamante. I believe Diamante was the um, um, one that was credited. Was horrendously overproduced and overbalanced mm-hmm. um and it i got a minute in and turned it off i couldn't handle it like I, i've heard decent covers of this song before uh this was not anywhere near them okay um uh, yeah so I, matt tell me your thoughts on madness because I, I need to take a breather on this you, one <laughs> you definitely just like completely took over that is perfectly God, fine. i hate this album <laughs> i'm lukewarm um as i had kind of t- gave so Again, I think we've talked about this on the podcast. Gabe and I do tend to talk in our, our free time. We try not to give too much of our opinions on stuff just with, with the podcast coming up so that way we can actually be surprised by what uh, the other person saying. It gives saying. a more organic discussion. Exactly. Um, I had kind of explained to him, I was like, really, this this isn't my favorite record by them by any means. This is definitely one of the ones that I'd kind of thrown in the background. Back when I was working at one of my old jobs, is I just this was one of the only couple of albums that I actually had just downloaded straight to my phone. So I was just like, well, I'll just put this on and listen to it. Really, the three songs I like off of this the most are probably Halo, Open Grave. If you say louder, I'm coming over this table at you. Okay. So you bring that up. It came on. I skipped it. Okay, thank I God. Hate the, thank I hate that. I hate. I hate that song. Okay, if a song's got the word "loud" in it, I think I just have an already personal gripe with it. I hate it, "louder" it, it's by a all that remains. Of like when when songs get singing, song, a, song sing a song and songing a sing. Yeah, <laughs> um, "loud" by Motionless and White, I think is just a garbage song. Um, so I, I think that's I actually kind do of kind of like that song though. <laughs> I don't know why it's a single. It, that's. When we do the Motionless and White episode, we'll talk about that. (laughs) Um, Really, Halo and Open Grave are the biggest ones. To an extent... No, I don't even know if I could say to an extent I like Madness. There's probably another song here that I I like to some extent, but really, Halo's number one, Open Grave's number two. There's two songs on here that I do want to reference for when we get a little bit farther into the cast because I think they're going to hit a little, a little bit, bit differently. Farther. Matt, we're on album eight. Well, we have to actually get to that point, but hang on. <sighs> Thunder Rolls, the cover, I'm kind of in a similar vein to you. It's a fine cover. Um, the Diamante performance is, I believe it was both underutilized as well as overutilized. Her kind of random vocalizations throughout the chorus were just unnecessary to process. And if they would have done a the portion where it was more Diamante kind of complimenting Phil during the chorus, and maybe like verse number two, she took over, I feel like it could have been a, a well-done cover. It just unfortunately did not hit the mark. Yeah. Um, November 9th, 2018, we get... Uh- before you hit that, Madness chart positions. Yes. <laughs> uh, hit 77 on Canadian albums, number 50 on US Billboard, number nine on Top Rock, and number one on Top Hard Rock. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, because it did not earn any single one of these. 
This album is garbage, it's, and I will die on this hill. Line. And I know it's a weird hill to die on, and at least I'm dead. But man, this thing is a steaming pile of goo that I hope disappears into the drain and never gets found by Spider-Man and turns into venom. I just watched Spider-Man. It's kind of on the brain. Okay, that's fair. <laughs> I, I was like, that's kind of a weird, weird seg- way to describe it. Um, so release date, November 9th of 2018, was Victim of the New Disease. It's actually my birthday. Hey. Um, but we do have to go back a little bit in time. Um, on October 17th of 2018, uh, the band revealed actually through Facebook that lead guitarist and founding member, uh, founding member Ollie Herbert had died at the age of 44. Um, there is a rabbit hole we could go down just simply about that. The whole situation, unfortunately, this is not a true crime podcast, so we we just can't get into it. It is a utter mess of things that have happened. Bad blood between the band and the former wife and the form and the sister of the decedent. It, it is a terrible mess that I recommend you read up on if you want to read up on that thing. Yeah, I spent about twenty minutes of it, and I walked out of it more lost than I went into it. Yeah, there's there's a there's a lot to unpack there. Um, the, the the biggest part about it is unfortunately Ollie who was a really integral part of all that remains and for all intents and purposes was a phenomenal guitarist mm-hmm. was no longer with us unfortunately. Yeah. Which it, um when I when I've followed all that remains for some time. I I heard that news and it really bummed me out because I hadn't seen them live before, so I never got to actually stand in a crowd and watch Ollie Herbert do what he does. Um, But November 9th, 2018, which was actually the date the album officially dropped, uh, Phil actually revealed in an interview that Jason Richardson would fill in uh, as the guitarist for the upcoming tours. And on February 5th of 2019, the band confirmed that Jason Richardson would be joining the group. Um, Notably, Jason Richardson is formerly of uh, bands like Chelsea Grin, Born of Osiris. Yeah. Um, so very much a deathcore style, and he also does his own uh, solo stuff. I don't know why I forgot that word. <laughs> and so he's worked with for uh, music geeks is Luke Holland, who was did drums for The Word Alive for some time. Just very, very technically stupidly talented guitarist and, and both both of, instrumentalists yeah, really. both um luke holland and jason richardson also still have a side project that they yeah. have going on um so that stuff is really cool to check out as well mm-hmm. uh also this one here was produced by daniel dl laskowitz which is also another callback to the acacia strain who's hey. their former guitarist yep. and is now the current vocalist of bad wolves yes or what whatever bad wolves is yeah if they've changed their name still or don't not. know yeah yet. that's that's again <laughs> another rabbit hole that could be gone down um, singles off of this one is F Love, because um, censorship, Everything's Wrong, Wasteland, and Just Tell Me Something, which that is, yes, uh, featuring Danny Warsnop of Asking Alexandria. Because you know what? Why not make a bad band worse? <laughs> God, I hate both of them so much. <laughs> um, before we kind of break down the um, the record itself is I'll bring up really quick is Aaron Patrick uh, shortly after this re- actually it was sometime earlier 
this year, like late uh, 2021. Um, Aaron Patrick left the band, said that it was on good terms. Uh, he is now playing with Drugs or Destroy Rebuild Until God Shows, which is Craig Owens is the vocalist. Yes. Um, so he's off doing that and just having a blast. And uh, former bassist Matt Diaz has rejoined the band. Um, oh, I guess he is officially a, an official member again. Hey, um, look so that. that's pretty neat. <laughs> um, I guess we just jump into the music on look, this. Man, I'll one. be honest. I got halfway through this album and I just turned it off. Okay. I just I was done at this point. Gotcha. Okay. Because <laughs> um, like I I got to Alone in Misery and I remember thinking to myself, Dear God, why is there another ballad? And then I looked forward on the rest of the album, and I saw the Danny Warsnot feature, and I'm just like, I'm not doing this, man. I'm just not doing this. <laughs> and I turned it off. <laughs> okay. So this, what was kind of nice was with DL being the producer, I think Phil had kind of teased a little bit on social media that they were going to be putting out something a bit heavier. and Vic- they, they definitely delivered on that. Yeah. Um, so this, it's nowhere near what Fall of Ideals was. That's, that, honestly, that's just on its own separate pedestal. But what the band was doing is they returned to, I would go so far as to say, like, Overcome for We Are Many era, All That Remains. Yeah. Kind of pushed it up a little bit, but also kept in the aspects of the newer stuff and the rock stuff. So they we had the, the soaring choruses and added a little bit more shreds. Yeah. But a little bit more. And just um, like blood. I spill is another example of Phil showing what he can do with his lower register. Um, to be completely honest though, I would respectfully ask that he not try to do gutturals. Cause those were, <laughs> it, maybe it was just a situation. And I explained this to my buddy earlier today is I don't know if it was a situation where he had been on tour for X number of dates. The, you know, his voice said had to have been tired to some extent. There was just that natural wear, and the, maybe it's just during the show I had seen him, they sounded off. I hope that that's it's just a case where it was he just sounded off that day. But if it was just exactly how he's supposed to sound, please don't, my guy. Yeah. It was it was rough. But Blood I Spill was a fantastic song. Uh, Wasteland's actually not bad. Everything's wrong. Ballad-ish. Um, the opening song F Love is him just. He's mad. He's he, he's he, mad at he's somebody. Mad. He, he, he this boy had his heart broken. My by God, he's sad. <laughs> I hate you, <laughs> dude. Honestly, I felt like I had to do it because he did the Garth Brooks cover. So I was just like, we we bring it a country back, boy. Fair enough. Um, do you have anything you really want to say on this one? Not really. Like at this point, it's just a fatigue hit me on it. That's um, fair. Just notably for the the chart positions on this one here, we uh, have a significantly less of a showing, probably due to the just terribleness of madness. Uh, we have uh, forty seven on Australian digital albums. We have one fifty four on U.S. Billboard two hundred and twenty eight on U.S. top rock albums. Okay, now that's it. So. I feel like this is the first time we have done this on the cast since we've switched to the new format, but I feel like a proposal of this idea should be presented. Hit me with it. Tentacle rating on the band. Oh, dear God. (laughs) 
Because and honestly, I'm surprised that we haven't hadn't done this for the previous bands, unless I'm just stupid and don't recall honestly, that I we think actually. It was just did. more of a we kind of forgot. I think we did. Um, so tentacle rating from a scale of one to eight tentacles for the entirety of all that remains. I'm. I feel like I know what you're gonna say, but I want to hear you say it. What do you think I'm gonna say? I think you're gonna say a three. Okay. That is what I was going to say. Oh, okay. <laughs> Seven out of eight. I'm just kidding. Oh, my God. I would have if you're like, if this was all the joke, I thought it was great. I would have been beyond <laughs> shook, bro. But no, to be, no. to be completely honest, though, is I – we have talked all that remains before in our just personal conversations, mm-hmm. and I knew you weren't a big fan of them. I didn't realize that it was going to be this much of a struggle for you. I'll Completely honest, honest. I didn't know it was going to be this much of a struggle for me either. Okay. Like, I knew going into it that I just wasn't really a fan of the band. They mm-hmm. just never put out anything that really intrigued me. Okay. But then having to go through and listen to nine albums of these people just took another level out of me <laughs> that's that's fair and, and honestly that's that's completely understandable and, and like and obviously i've talked about a lot of the different reasons why i don't like them and i feel like a culmination of all of that um i can probably come up with a more accurate uh, technical rating at this point mm-hmm. or a, at a later point just when i really kind of fully nailed down what it is in that kind of rating especially yeah. since we're trying to gauge the entirety of a band yeah um that being said like it's a band that i'm not really ever going to go back to Mm -hmm. like not that i really was ever going to go to to begin with um they're they're i'll I'll be completely honest i feel like probably a two is going to be more accurate because if i'm listening to them in the background sure i can handle it it's not like edm or uh your normal pop country kind of stuff that like just really just irks me and gets my gets my anger moving yeah that's Um, fair so it's not it's not quite to those levels like if it's on in the background i can tolerate it but I never want to return to this. There's mm-hmm. no songs that I really have any love for. Okay. Excuse me. I don't have any love for, and none of, nothing's get adding, getting added and or was already previously added to my playlist. Like, there just really is nothing in this band for me. Okay. And while it breaks my heart, I understand. And they feature Danny Warsnop, which is always a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> um. I'll be completely honest. The Black was the greatest Asking Alexandria album that ever released. <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do with you. Look, man, I'm just I'm just bringing things full circle. Like I I have been hitting that hammer. You so have been hard. on that hill for some time, and you have literally been on that hill the on inse- air. Literally since the inception of the podcast, episode one, you can hear me talking about that. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> what about you? I. This one. This one is a little bit tough. Um, and what part of it because. One of their albums is up in my top 10 favorite albums of all time. Um, so that, I have that in there. I've, I've had a strong love for these guys since I was in high school. And it, it definitely petered off for a while. And I kind of came back and it's it's almost a, a small portion in time in their kind of just career that I, I hold mm-hmm. really on a pedestal. If I had to go based off of that portion of time, which really was... No, no, no. We're going off the whole band. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> you don't get to break it up. Whole band. 
I want to put it high. I want to put it high j- because of that. However, because of the chaff that they've put out, <laughs> I think I got to put it at a. Mm, I th- I think a five. I think no. I I'm commit five. I'm committing to the five. I want to put it lower. I want to put it higher, but I have to commit somewhere. I'm I'm putting it at a five. Okay. Final answer. Fair enough. Edward, that's going to wrap up the main topic. So we're going to jump into our hidden track where we talk about something maybe music related, maybe not music related that we just really want to talk about. Gabe, do you have anything this week? No, not really. No, I'm seeing Die Hard is Murder on on Sunday, so that'll be cool. That'll be sick. Um, I was I was planning on seeing Chelsea Grand and Body Snatcher tomorrow. I don't think I'm gonna go just because of my exhaustion levels right now. That's completely. But fair. Um, Die Hard is Murder uh, after the burial, Currents and Brand of Sacrifice on Sundays. It's it's gonna be pretty cool. <sighs> Brand of Sacrifice. Yeah. Um. Those that should be a fantastic show. Yeah, Cur- Currents has been one that kind of came across my radar in 2020. Mm-hmm. Um, they they released. Uh, I forget even the name of the album right now, but it's a f- the top tier album from front to back. Okay, I've, I've got the flag hanging up over there actually. Hey, uh, I can't read it from here. The, the way it ends. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm, I'm over here <laughs> sitting and I'm I like, I'm so mentally fried. Matt, what do you got this week? So, um, like, <laughs> what I could, anime do you want to talk about this week? I could bring <laughs> up one actually. Please don't. Uh, <laughs> I've watched five episodes of it. Like it's it's pretty cool, but I, it's also going to be a huge commitment. Anyways, um, couple shows I'm probably dropping. Um, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. I think I'm dropping. Um, I watched the second episode of the newest season. It's cringy at best. Like with without spending too much time just on that, it's cringy. Um, Bob's Burgers is a potential drop for me as well with their most recent season. Well figure it out no the the thing i really want to talk about is i saw the new doctor strange without spoilers because i haven't seen it yeah um, how did you feel i went with a buddy of mine uh and the two of us because of and again without spoiling anything because of a couple of the kind of cameo easter egg features i don't know how mm-hmm. you'd really describe it um the these particular characters but my buddy and i were freaking out like we were both just a, beyond excited okay i think what marvel has done is they laid the groundwork from phases one to probably three just kind of like this is the i universe. think they're in the middle of phase four right now. i think they're in phase four yeah and they kind of like tease multiverse stuff but they were really just like we're going to solidify this I mean, universe and they spoiler alert if you haven't seen spider-man they full-on just like go into multiverse stuff oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah, like, no, they, I was... it's no longer a tease <laughs> yeah so like during uh, phases one through three they were definitely teasing it phase four they've just gone full send and i want to say that part of it was into the spider-verse the animated spider-man movie i think that was a huge kind of catalyst yeah. for them going down this route um well we also kind of saw in what was it? i think it was infinity war when he looked yeah. at the fifteen thousand possible realities yep. and he saw one that actually worked mm-hmm. and so obviously they're in that one now until they break that one <laughs> right um 
there were a couple of things that I was lost on because I haven't watched a lot of the TV shows. Um, going into it, if you want to be as caught up as possible, you definitely want to watch WandaVision. That mm-hmm. is going to have a huge part in the movie itself. Probably Loki as well, because that one definitely Loki, tough to, that one definitely just dabbles into the multiverse stuff as well. It does, but at least from talking to my buddy, is that one didn't have that much of a part in the movie. Probably not so much of a part of the movie, but just it begins helping lay the groundwork for it. it. I, yeah, I, that's probably a good way to put it. Also, it was a really good series. That's what I've heard. I'm honestly, I didn't get access to Disney Plus until like a month ago, Fair so enough. I I haven't watched anything on there. But I know I will be watching something coming up soon. No, it was. I thought it was a good movie. It was definitely Marvel kind of going. This feels like the MCU's first horror movie because there were definitely a lot of dark aspects. That's what I've heard. I'd recommend going to check it out. I've heard from a couple people it's not the greatest thing. I thought it was pretty sweet. Um, I'd say you just go check it out. It was a good time. Fair enough. But that is going to do it for us today. We do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us. You can find us on a variety of social medias. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, uh, TikTok, and YouTube. Yep, those two. Uh, <laughs> please like, rate, subscribe. Uh, Zach, please give us our, our the, don't give us our one star. We 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 talked about Wheeler Walker Jr. You made us suffer. Please, we please paid, don't make us suffer. We, more. we paid the man. <laughs> we paid the man. Uh, but yeah, you guys can uh, can. Like, rate, subscribe anywhere that you get your podcast. If you do that, it immensely helps us out. It helps us actually start getting people to listen to us so it's not just the same four people over and over. And I would love to have more people interact with us, and that'd be super cool. Then we can like start a Patreon, and I can start doing dumb, stupid things like writing an album drunk, because we talked about that earlier, and that would be amazing if we could get people to pay for oh it. Oh, my God. So uh, if you guys want <laughs> would like to contribute to a Patreon, uh, you can also feel free to DM us and tell us how much money you'd be willing to pledge, and we may just expedite that process if it's a lot of money. Instagram is the easiest way for me to deal with that right now. Please don't message all at once, though. <laughs> Please do. Honestly, I would. I, I guess, I'd yeah, accept I guess that it at doesn't. That point. I guess it doesn't matter because you would have to like the message, like the message, like the message. Send out mass link. All of a Done. sudden, it's just like in the middle of the night. Your phone just like blink, 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 blink. and you're just like, what's happening? And just like four hundred DMs. Six o'clock in the morning can handle that because I have. Everything turned on and silent at that point. <laughs> Smart move, my guy. But we do appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to us. We'll be back next week with the uh, the newest in music. And uh, spoiler alert, there is some spicy drops that have happened there over the last week. Stuff. And there's going to be some super dope stuff that's coming out tomorrow uh, that we'll be talking about. Because uh, we're recording this the Thursday before. Mm-hmm. Uh, that being said, we'll see you later. Catch you in the next one.